Hi, and welcome to Data in Depth, a podcast where we delve into advanced analytics, business intelligence, and machine learning, and how they're revolutionizing the manufacturing sector. Each episode, we share new ideas and best practices to help you put your business data to work. From the shop floor to the back office, from optimizing supply chains to customer experience, the factory of the future runs on data. Welcome, and thanks for joining us for another episode of Data in Depth, the podcast exploring the world of big data and its role in the manufacturing industry. I'm your host, Andrew Reiser. Today's episode is the first of a two-part segment with Francois Go. Francois is the owner and CEO of Levy Industrial, a forward-thinking marketing firm driving growth for industrial and tech-based B2B companies. Francois has decades of experience and has been a pioneer in the data-driven, ROI-focused approach for marketing. He has a lot of great information and ideas to share, so we decided to split his interview into two parts. Welcome, Francois. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for the opportunity. Appreciate that. Absolutely. I'm uh, very excited about this episode. Marketing is always a somewhat tough topic that we face in this B2B space. I'm, I'm interested to pick your brain a little bit and learn some of this industrial-based knowledge that you're providing to your customers. So, Francois, you uh, took the helm of Levy in 2018, is that right? That is correct. Yeah, about um, 14 months ago. Very cool. But obviously, in looking at your LinkedIn profile, you spent many decades in this space and various leadership roles in the manufacturing industry. And what I like most is that everything that I've read and kind of studied up on you and the businesses that you've been involved in, you've always seemed to have this data-driven approach to what you're doing. So maybe you can just tell us your journey and how data plays into that and how you've evolved your career and into your ultimate role that you're in right now. Yeah, that's a great um, segue into what we're going to talk about later. Um, background, I grew up in southern France, and I have to start back then, where my dream was to become a commercial pilot. Obviously, that didn't work out as planned because of my <laughs> eyes. <laughs> However, um, because of the curriculum we had to do to, be, to become a, a, a pilot back then, was to learn math and science, and that's where I started my journey. So I have an undergraduate in math and physics at the University of Toulouse. So numbers, numbers, data, statistics have always been some kind of part of the of the answer for me. Then I graduated from a business school and went to work for a company called Honeywell, quickly jumping into a new project that we came up with to change the unit of measure for the repair of airspace component mounted in the cockpit of airplanes. It's going to mm-hmm. sound complicated, but we usually receive boxes to be fixed, and then we send time and material quote, and then we came with the idea to charge by the hour of use. And uh, sounds simple, but it required to really deep dive into years and years and years of history on how often that box came and how much did we spend to fix it and kind of not be too far away from a realistic price, not too much, not too low, still allowing us to make money. So that's where I started my career, young, completely green, uh, started working on this project, moved to the States in 95 to actually manage that uh, from the Phoenix, Arizona headquarters and uh, completed my MBA at the same time and uh, we launched a program uh, 94 something like that and it was just fantastic ride we just we just got a lot of pickup from the airlines around the world because it was like an insurance insurance package I mean you're not gonna have Russian roulette it's all based upon data 
And then we really kind of transformed the way we did the business. So fast forward, um, 2003, joined Kenamental here in Pittsburgh. Um, we provided cutting tools for the uh, industrial markets. Um, I was responsible for the aerospace and defense at that time when I joined. And I discovered that many of our clients wanted to use our data to facilitate the way they're planning to actually produce a part using our tools. And gathering the data, we created a, I think it was the first uh, um, artificial intelligence tools that was offered to our clients to figure out from a drawing, from a CAD design, using the environment around the machine, figuring out what the strategy would be and what the best tool would be. Um, took us a number of years to get that thing to work, but it was a great project to lead, uh, being part of the design, the architecture, the uh, heuristics, and the launch. We launched uh, that pro program in 2013 in Germany. It was just fantastic to go through that experience. Yeah, that's the foundation kind of that brought me to, to be where I am today with Levy. Very cool. So there's a, a lot there that I think really maps out an interesting path. So you touched on a, a lot of different things uh, that manufacturers care about and trends that we see. So just a, a couple to, to highlight, I think, that you hit on is around quality, but there's also uh, information around thinking beyond the traditional services. So you mentioned time and materials, but then transitioning that into a more services-based contract with your consumers. And then also that interaction with your, your suppliers and, and other folks within the channels you guys distributed and sold into. So this is a really good segue to transition into your space that you're in right now uh, with respect to marketing. And so I'm gonna poke fun a little bit at, at traditional manufacturers. And in my experience, when you when you think about marketing and manufacturing, historically it seems that it's just reliance on trade shows or uh, putting together maybe a newsletter and sending that out once a month to some outdated emails. But all joking aside, where have you seen kind of the evolution and transition going from in this industrial space with manufacturers that you're dealing with? Well, the biggest dimension is around demographics, okay? Um, the buyers that we use to deal with, the speckers, as I call them, the technical speckers that would look at the requirement on a print and say, hey, I need a vendor that can do this, or supplier or partner. Um, when you look at the demographics, it's clear that over 67% of the workforce right now in position of making those decisions or influencing those decisions are so-called millennials and becoming also entering the fray is the Gen Z uh, generation. So many of us in that space are realizing there is complete transformation from the old face-to-face -face, going into a meeting and having a long conversation around donuts and coffee around what needs to happen and how complicated we can make everybody's life um, whereas the new buyers have no concept of that um, they've been taught YouTube they've been taught eBay they've been taught amazon.com yep. and they've been reached through social media such as you know pinterest and instagram and all the others out there including linkedin and two degree twitter um so what's happening right now the trends that i see out there 
is you have to construct a thought, a thought leadership approach around something. Mm-hmm. You have to build what is called inbound marketing um, instead of outbound. So the kind of easiest way for me to explain the difference between the two is outbound. You're trying to impose a picture of, hey, I got a burger, exit 65, two miles ahead, stop, I got the best burger. And inbound, I'm trying to tell you that I have the best burger and my cooks are the best in the business, my beef is, etc., etc. So I'm educating you on how to make the best burger. But if you, can, if you want to come to my shop, click here. So inbound is the way to go in today's environment where you have so much information available about anyone we have websites by the billion we have um, emails by the hundreds a day a search in google if you're looking for can somebody make a spring a screw a cap not whatever right you'll get into aggregators i mean to get your voice heard today it's a lot more challenging than it used to be. And the decision makers of today have less patience to learn your business. So we are triangulating this, and this is what I learned when I was launching this uh, program I talked about uh, at Kenamo, the name of the program is Novo. Um, We learn how to triangulate to the heart of the shop and to reach those people in a way that they want to be reached, not necessarily imposing into them a new thing to read, and they're already busy, right? So the big trend is demographics, and that changes the way um, we want to be marketed too. And that changes the way manufacturers should be thinking about how to reach the voices. Um, yeah. I think that makes perfect sense. So just to kind of summarize what I I think I heard you describing. So there's this play on inbound and outbound. Outbound is kind of the traditional method where you have reps or manufacturers reps, technical sales, folks that are really going out and having conversations around coffee and donuts. And that's all fine and dandy, but this new shift because of new talent and this changing of the guard in this space is driving more of an inbound type approach where people are used to, to gathering this information on their own uh, and making informed decisions. So as a hey, part of- Andrew, th- this is a great point. And let me add to this. Yeah, right. the, the, the thing that's very important is not to, to kind of flip a switch. You're, this is no zero and one. This is not black and white. This is a bit of a gray thing. Absolutely. You, you don't want to be just one and the other. Actually, when I launched Novo, I went to certain folks out there to ask for advice and this is you cannot be all digital you're going to have to be digital and analog for a long period of time yep and it resonated with me it's still now the job of the customer facing staff sales inside sales reps agents um, distributors is more like a confirmation role mm-hmm. We got your request, we looked at it, we came up with those couple of ideas, we would recommend this. This is more like a, like a confirmation, because I think I read somewhere, and I, I, I'll have to, to, to give, you the, to, to give the, the right people the right credentials, but there is something like 58% of the folks today pre-research their requirement before they call. Yep. 
a brand or a person. So they already know what they want. It's no longer a sales pitch in the traditional sense of it. It's more like a confirmation pitch. Right. I know what I know what you need, and I think I got the answer for you. And that's a very different message. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think that again, in my my personal opinion, uh, traditionally manufacturers seem to resonate around the product, the quality, and the price. And so those three components, I think, again, like they're important, that's good to note, but I think as a, an end consumer or end user, that should just be a given. And you want to, to know more about what makes them the, the true thought leader mm-hmm. in that space, back to your point. So yeah, I, I, get, I get it, I, I agree. There's a lot of gray area there, but that's what makes this so challenging and, and also so fun, right? It does, absolutely. Okay, well, let's uh, shift gears a little bit. So I know data and analytics plays a a huge role in how you approach marketing and growth for your companies and clients that you're engaged with. So maybe you can walk me through sort of a a start to finish of of how you tackle a new project. So you yourself may have uh, a referral or inbound that that comes in of an industrial-based business, and they understand digital transformation and all these buzzwords that are out there, but... But how do you kind of start and say, all right, what do we need to do to to figure out where you are and then what those next steps are going to be? Well, trivially, there's only a couple of questions that get me in the door. Um, Question one, do you really know what your dollar invested in marketing returns in top line sales? Uh That's question one. And if you don't have the data, then why? Yep. because that, that, that is the foundation of what we do here uh, at Levy. And then the second question, right, is the efficacy of the campaigns as it relates to the number of conversions that those activities have generated. That's kind of an interesting segue into how do we get to this? How do we know what's effective and what's not effective? Right. And uh, step one in our approach uh, which has six steps, by the way. Step one is to do what we call a market mapping. It, literally, it's mapping your markets on a table, on a whiteboard, eventually on a spreadsheet, where we ask 10 questions. We do a bit of research. I've done that for 28 years now. Mm-hmm. We do a bit of research and buy you know, SIC codes or NIACS codes. Um, how many people employed, etc., companies and size, and all sort of normal demographic data that you would acquire. And from that data, we ask a series of it's two times five questions around your uh, right to win and right to play. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a really famous book um, uh, from L.G. Lefley, I think. Uh, that's called Playing to Win, which I got the inspiration a long, long time ago. So I'm keeping using those two dimensions, playing to win, is right to play and right to, to win. And I explained that to, to, to the folks and saying, you may have a football team and a place to play. And that doesn't mean you're going to win. To win, you need to have a coach, you need to have a game plan, you need to have... Um, you know all the right elements to have the win in your in 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 in, in your corner. Mm-hmm. It's the same with business. There are some markets, as I call them, or segments, 
uh, be it aerospace in Illinois, direct, be it uh, I want to go and screw machine and I want to sell through distributors in Southwest Germany. These are cultural stroke behavioral stroke product dimensions that we define ahead of time with a client and we can create thousands of intersections but really what matters at the end of the day is when we do that we flush out about 90% of them as being non-interested very quickly the market is not lifting our product is not adapted there's a high cost to serve in that business for whatever reason meaning number of quotes and hours on the road etc etc our these 10 questions that I have market readiness level technology readiness level etc etc and these are numbers 1 to 10 weighted um, that gives us a priority ranking and what people love is the bubble charts that shows them who you is the top right quadrant where you focus yourself here's the top left quadrant where you focus your marketing these are really good places to be except one does know you so you sell more and the other one doesn't know you and then we gotta tell them we exist okay well when you've done this exercise step one market mapping um, using a large amount of data but the data is in our brains and our computers it's on mighty Google it's exist and very rarely would I require a market data or market study being purchased because at this level we know yep. right and then we get to step two which is detailed planning and once we figure out the top 10 sectors that we will need to go after we do a deep dive with with with, with our businesses and our clients where we look into what I call the watering holes where do those guys that ladies that are in those businesses in those personas a buyer a specker or a manager where do they go for inspiration Mm -hmm. what do they they read etc etc and then we collect all that data into readership into attendance into etc etc and we start building a sort of a game plan like i said earlier with the football to go after those uh, sectors in a discreet way and all of them could end up very different and I had the case happen to us many times where on certain sectors we had to do you know one-to-one marketing events webinars seminars because the market was 2,000 deep that's it sure we had 2,000 people to corner so we had to do one-to-one marketing like in my aerospace day with Ken all. And then in others, like in general industrial, where you, there is 300,000 machining shops around the world, well, the messaging is completely different and the tactics are very different. And if you're thinking going into Germany or France or England or Tennessee or Alaska, this is very different in terms of cultural ways to address those people and, and what they react to. Sure. So that brings me to the data again. Now what? What do you do with that? And if you want to reach to, let's say, pretend form and three geographies, three end markets, five discrete products, five languages, 
you suddenly have a multiplier effect in the hundreds of potential communication outlets that you need to monitor, engage with, and um, and uh, deal with. And that becomes really problematic quickly if you try to do it the old-fashioned way. Right. Right. So that's where step four comes in, where we do marketing automation. We we have created a number of workflows, as we call them, to manage this behind the scenes. So essentially, when we draft a campaign for one of those sectors, then it goes as smoothly as it can. Yep. So that's a again a great kind of I love the analogy of the the right to play versus right to win and how you explain that and the the process and the the data behind the process so you touched on some really good points there one thing I'd like to revisit uh, just out of curiosity is there a a general formula or rule of thumb kind of around uh, x amount in top line revenue should allocate x percentage towards these marketing efforts have you kind of uh, I know it could vary drastically, but do you see kind of trends around what that percentage might look like? Um, first off, let's start with the reality. The actual number is about 0.9%. Okay. 0.9% across the industrial sector that we've been able to look into. So that's based on data uh, from my friends at Maybuy, uh when I was a member, when I was at Kenamel. So it's a, it's a pretty low sure. number. Okay. 0.9% in direct marketing spend is interesting. Um, in, in what we do with digital marketing, it's not as expensive as people might think. It's actually very affordable. And I think you can go a long way by just using the best available tools out there and techniques Mm-hmm. Um, to monetize your marketing budgets. I, I don't think I have a magic number for you. All I can say is if you were spending 1% uh, of your total, uh, top line in marketing and all of it was outbound, um, you might want to rethink that. Yep. If you're spending 1% and all of it is in Google Ads or LinkedIn paid ads, etc., etc. That is not the right way to do it either. Right. We call it the hybrid approach, and the magic number that seems to work is between thirty percent outbound trade shows and ads and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. and seventy percent digital inbound marketing, yep. surgical. Um, that's kind of where most of the clients I serve have found the, 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 the real good balance, 30-70. Awesome. Now, could it be, in some of my clients, it stopped, we're starting at 3%. Sure. Because we have such a long hill to climb that, well, there's an investment for a couple of years to at least get the basics right. Right. You need to have a website that jazzes. Yep. You need to have a social presence, you need to have content, you need to have videos, because that's what people want to see these days. Right. And these are not free. So we need to invest. So I wouldn't say percent of top line, I would say, okay, what are we, what do we need to do uh, to, to, to get where we need to be? Exactly. So and the table uh, stakes versus the, the strategic mix. Yes. 
Great. That's all we have time for today, but I hope you enjoyed listening and will join us for part two of our interview with Francois, where we'll dig more deeply into the concept of inbound marketing for B2B industrial businesses. You can catch that episode beginning next week on Monday, October 7th. Until then, if you'd like to learn more about Levy Industrial, I'd encourage you to visit levyind.com. That's L-E-V-Y-I-N-D.com. And if you'd like to connect with Francois, we'll be sure to provide a link to his LinkedIn profile in the show notes along with other relevant resources. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to rate this episode and subscribe to Data in Depth available on iTunes, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and pretty much anywhere else you might listen to your podcasts. And finally, as a thank you to our listeners and supporters, we're giving you a chance to listen to our podcast in style. We're offering you a chance to win a pair of Bose Quiet Comfort noise canceling headphones. To enter for your chance to win, please visit the website dataindepth.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook. We'll have all the details listed below. Thanks again for joining. Data in Depth is produced by Mountain Point, a digital transformation consulting firm focusing on the manufacturing sector. You can find show notes, additional episodes, and more by visiting dataindepth.com. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.